Welcome to Changing the Sales Game podcast on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Connie Whitman. Thanks for tuning in today. Now, as you listen to the show, listen, you know, we get it. My guests and I get it. That word sales throws people into an ultimate tailspin. And that's not okay, right? Because we have to come from love, care, and respect every time we're in front of a prospect, client, whatever, fill in the blank. So to help you on your journey of changing your personal sales game, I have my communication style assessment, which is in the show notes. It's a link. You'll get a, a bunch of questions. And at the end, you'll get two reports. First report will spotlight just your natural communication superpowers, how you show up, how your message is really landing. Secondary report will be your lowest score, which is typically blind spots. And that's to me, even a more important report for you to check out. So again, link is in the show notes, my gift to you. Now, my motivational quote to just get us in the realm of the conversation for today is by um, Daryl Lebetsky. I hope I said that right. Daryl says, empathy is one of our greatest tools of business that is most under underused. So, oh my God, when I found this quote, I knew that it truly was the winner for today. And because I, I think mostly for the past 40 years in sales, empathy and understanding really has been the core piece of, I think, how I've developed my career. And then for the past 22 years, my business. Empathy isn't about being weak. On the contrary, it's really, I think, where strength and integrity uh, comes from, especially, I believe, in sales. Now, I see the need for us to be empathetic before we can show how brilliant we are, or how great our products are, our services are. We have to show up from an empathetic perspective. Well, of course, I have an amazing guest today. His name is Grant Lira. Now, Grant is a successful entrepreneur, international speaker, and he's the co-founder of the Empathy Firm. You get the you get the core for today's message. His unique approach to sales prioritizes empathy and understanding over traditional tactics. Now, at 24, he co-created the Michelangelo system, an AI-driven podcast podcast content repurposing system. Wow, that was a mouthful. Uh, balancing entrepreneurship and military service. Grant is also a cavalry scout in the Army's National Guard. Grant, I'm thrilled to have you. Welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And that was an awesome intro, Connie. I'm pumped to be here. I think that uh, quote was right on the head with a lot of, yeah, I resonated with that, obviously, because, you know, the empathy firm, but more importantly, why we're the empathy firm is because we think empathy is not just important in business, but unfortunately, a lot of times overlooked. So yeah, I love that. It was funny, Grant, when I, you know, I always research and I try to really pick the quote based on my guest's background and the questions, right, that you guys send me, right? I don't make this up in a, in a vacuum. And I, I try to position it. I have to say, I was shocked at the number of quotes under empathy and business. And I thought, whoa, we are really tapping into something today that's important. And, and whether you own a business or you're in a career and you're, you're a leader, hopefully, in the organization, we have to have empathy. And, and in the past, you know, as I grew up, you're younger than me, but as I grew up, empathy was a weakness. And it's, I, it just, that never resonated with me because if I don't show up with my heart for someone, how are they going to buy from me or even want to buy from me? So, right. That, that was always my perspective through my career. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, it's really, you know, easy for today, especially to come across if you're in the market for any real digital services, you've probably spoken with like a few people in the agency world or maybe, you know, marketing firm or something like that. 
and yeah, you kind of get the same sense that it's just all about, you know, that commission making a quick sale. And when you can kind of really stand out and truly understand like what your prospect needs and if you can actually help them and then kind of clearly guiding them down that path, like that, that is a game changer, not just for, you know, your, your sales numbers, but them actually understanding like what's going to move the needle for them. And if you are the right fit, and if you're not like, totally cool too. Something I've done is built like a book of people who do things that I don't do that I, you know, trust and I know do a good job. So that way on the call, it's not like a uncomfortable breakup or a disqualification. It's just, Hey, I'm actually not a good fit for this, but my friend so-and-so does X, Y, Z, like they're an awesome fit. Would you like me to get an email going with you guys to make that happen. And there you can still provide value. And obviously, you know, down the road, they'll be like, Oh, Grant hooked us up. Maybe there's someone that I can send his way or he was just a cool guy and I'll keep him in my contact. Yeah, it's, that whole, it's that whole law of reciprocity, right? The yeah. more we give, the more we really do get energetically, it's real. And yet the people who hoard and think, Oh no, I, I can't share this. I'm going to, I'm going to fit that square peg in the round hole and make the sale today. Why are you doing that? Like, it's craziness to me. So my first question, what inspired, because you're, you know, you're fairly young, but what inspired the creation of the empathy firm and that unique approach specifically to sales, if, you know, for this conversation? Yeah. So my brother and I started the company um, when we were in college together and before, you know, we kind of always knew we wanted to do something entrepreneurial. Um, but it, when you're young, you know, that looks like it's a bunch of different things and you don't really know which path to kind of follow. So we talked to some mentors that we found online and, you know, we, some people that like we respected and we, you know, wanted to be in the position that they're, we're currently in. So we just asked them, you know, Hey, you were starting a business today. What would that look like? Where do you see the most value kind of being provided right now in this space? And we talked to a bunch of those people. We got like a good sense of what we wanted to get into. And then, you know, came time to start kind of the boring work of setting up the website, setting up the infrastructure, like all that stuff. And one of the last things we actually did was name the company. So we wanted to make sure that like our company conveyed, you know, what we really stood for. So what Gavin, my brother and I did is we took a bunch of note cards and we um, put them on a table in front of us. And we were just going to write down like our core values or things that we thought were really important for business. Um, and just so we could have them, you know, in front of us and, and visually see them. And we looked at them when we were done and empathy was obviously one of them. But then we also realized that like almost all of them could just be simplified or tied back into having empathy for the people that you're working with and helping. So we named the company, the empathy firm, and that's how we kind of operated and did business sense. And did you call your mom and say, thank you for raising me with so much empathy because both of you and your brother, right? That's like remarkable. And the other thing, gosh, that's so smart. Anybody listening, whether you're looking to change your career, you know, within sales or, or whatever, or you're looking to start a business. I love that. I'm a visual learner too, Grant. So having those cards out, it's visual. It, it like lifts off the page for you so that you can see that, that connectivity of holy crap. We can really whittle this down to that single word of empathy. And I think people forget we get caught up when we're, we're coming up with names, right? We get, we get caught up in the word and we synonym and all of this. But at the core, what does it mean? And empathy for you. Wow. That is brilliant. Number one, brilliant step for naming a firm. Um, but also that visualization of creation, um, I think comes from that. So just beautiful. That's such a cool, that's cool. It's a cool story. I really appreciate that, Connie. Yeah, that's awesome. So how has prioritizing the, you know, fit over closing percentages benefited your business? Let's, let's talk about that for a minute. 
Yeah. So it's super funny because like, and, and you see this a lot, you know, with um young people getting into the agency game is the beginning is all like just close, 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 close. Um, and yeah, you'll definitely make, you know, a lot of money in the short ter- term doing that. But what you'll find is you close these clients and then you have to worry about fulfillment. And then it's like, you have to worry about retention and that retention is probably not going to be great because you took a lot of people on who weren't qualified for your system, or you didn't know you could, you know, truly help them. And what ends up happening is you get into this cycle of this huge client attrition where people are leaving every month. So you have to close more people to bring them in to keep your profits where they need to be. And that just keeps on going and going and going. So instead of, and I know that's tempting to a lot of people just to like close a bunch of deals in the beginning and, you know, get all this uh, profit coming in the door. Um, I will tell you right now that if you take the extra second and actually disqualify people you don't believe are one, a true fit or two, you can truly help and only work with the people you know that you can get good fits from. Uh, sorry, the balloons just came on my screen. New Zoom feature. I, I, anyway, um, as I was saying, um, if you only truly work with people that you know you can produce results for, something's going to happen where um, something's going to happen where you now have these people who are actually in your system that you're helping and they're staying with you for long term, which means you don't have to focus as much on the sales and you can bring in less new clients because you have these old clients who are truly like staying with you because what you're doing is providing a solution to them. So you don't have to focus so heavy on sales. You don't have this huge client turnover issue where instead of just doing what you're already doing to like help the people you're already helping, you're learning new companies, you're learning new people, you're learning new stuff. Like that's not the way to scale a business. It's designed to fail. Truly spend the time and look at who you believe you can actually help. And for the long term of your company, that's really going to be what sets you apart. So I'm laughing because now see, isn't that logical? Hmm. So logical. And and then I'll tell you it I I take on only a couple of because I deal with mostly with corporate clients. So they're bigger, they're there's a lot more you know fillable stuff that I have to do at you know deliverables after the fact. It but Here's why I've been able to scale my business over the past 22 years and not only survive, but, you know, knock on wood, thrive. My clients stay with me for 10, 15 years. And two of my clients, they've been with me. They, they've known me for 20 through other companies they worked for. They left, got now their CEOs and executives wow. at other organizations. The one it cracked me up. This was right before COVID. Uh, he calls me. His name is George. Hi, George. And uh, he said, OK, I just got this new job, which I had seen on LinkedIn. I'm so excited for him. Right. And he said he was there a week. He goes, all right. Can you meet me? We have to talk about building a culture here. They're wonderful. They're lovely. It's a great bank, but there's no culture. There's no consistency. You know, but, but all the things he knows that that he and I have created in the previous company. Sure, we schedule it five years. Now, this new company, plus the old company he was with is still with me. Yeah. And now the conversation is, all right, how many classes do we need next year? Because I'm the only one who does that training in this organization. And it's quarterly, whatever, how many people we figure it out. I send him the numbers and they off. he gets approved in the budget. It's not, what do we need? Are we going to hire you? He yeah. knows I'm delivering. So it becomes this recurring revenue, right? He wins, I win, which is a beautiful thing. And the convert, he brings me referrals in addition, yet. Everybody is out there paying for ads and all of this thrown spaghetti. I call it against the I'm Italian. So you throw spaghetti against the wall. Let's see what sticks. What are we doing? So what you just said is so logical. 
Yet you and I, we see it all the time. People don't do it. They don't execute. It's illogical to me because it works. It's proven. You, you're you young and it's proven, you know, 22 years and it's proven. So it's this rinse and repeat that people are afraid because they think they have to go in and make that sale. And literally you're on the treadmill. I call it the revolving door. People are walking out the back door because you have people coming in the front door. What are we doing? It's it's such a waste of time, energy, money, effort. It, it wears you out. It just wears you yeah. out. And like one of my mentors told me super early is like a good salesperson tries to close everybody, but a great salesperson only closes the people that they know they can truly help. And it sounds cheesy, but like if you actually take that to heart, it it does make the world of difference in terms of your business, but more importantly, the results you can actually produce. And then, you know, get those things like the referrals or when somebody moves companies, now they're coming to you because they've you've done great work with them in the past. Like that that's really what it all stems out from. It works, but it, but what does it start with empathy? And I think with empathy comes that integrity, because if you're empathetic, you're already putting yourself in the potential client shoes or your client shoes, right? As they grow, you want to grow with them. You want to partner with them long-term. So as long as you come from that place of empathy and understanding, right? To me, empathy and understanding kind of go hand in hand. That's where the integrity comes yeah. in because then you're living and breathing what's in your heart. And I think that's an important piece of business. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So now talk to me. I'm so intrigued. Explain more about the Michelangelo because, you know, one of my favorites, right, of all time. (laughs) But you have a Michelangelo system and talk about its impact on the content creation. Totally. So the Michelangelo system is um, named after the famous sculptor, not the Ninja Turtle. Um, So (laughs) we got that. Essentially, when we created it, you know, we were actually... I'll back up for a second. Like most of the things that we've done or created in our business actually stem from client feedback. So like what we'll do every month, sometimes every quarter with clients, depending on, you know, how busy they are is we'll just ask them, Hey, tell us the good, the bad and the ugly about working with us. Right. What do you love? What would you change if you could? And we put all that stuff in a spreadsheet and we'll look at that. And a few things kind of popped out at us. Like a bunch of people said under the, what do you love about us? Is like, we love that you're getting us on podcasts and it's actually fueling like our entire um, content strategy. And we kept seeing that. I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Like I want to hop on a call and like dig a little bit deeper into that. So I, you know, hopped on and asked them like, Hey, you said this is fueling your content. Like, could you elaborate? And they're like, yeah, Grant, um, we, you know, get onto like three podcasts a month with you guys. That's roughly three ish hours of raw footage. We've either been chopping it up ourselves or, you know, giving it to a content shop and they've been running all our social content off of that. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. So I talked to my brother and he's much more the uh, tech, you know, AI guy. And I, I, I told him that and I said, what if we could create a um, system that would basically do this for the people so they don't have to, you know, either hire another agency or take team bandwidth inside. And so we went ahead and we created what was uh, called the Michelangelo system. And the reason we named it Michelangelo was because the sculptor, um, Michelangelo, always said that he saw the block or excuse me, the sculpture inside of the block of marble before he ever put his hammer to chisel. And that's exactly how we feel about podcasts. We just need to be the one to start chiseling that stuff away to get the sculpture or the content out of it. So it took a long time <laughs> transparently to create that system, but we built something that actually works really well to like 
highlight the big takeaways of the podcast, clip those into short videos that are already formatted for the major channels. And then we also repurpose, like we download transcripts afterwards. We use some AI tools mixed with like human uh, quality checking just to make sure everything looks good to create articles that we then feature in traditional online media as well. So like our goal is obviously to get people in front of the right audiences through podcasting. But then we also want to basically aim to like have a funnel where people can organically discover them through the short form, learn more about them through the long form. And then if they're like, okay, this works, you know, call to action at the end of the podcast, I want to hop on. Awesome. Or if they're like, okay, I like this, but a little skeptical. Let me just give the name of Google, see what comes up. They see press stuff coming up. They're like, okay, these people are the real deal. Let's hop on a call. So that all, the, I think the important thing is that all stemmed from client feedback. And if you actually want to like grow your business and improve your system, and most importantly, keep clients happy and retained, um, one of the most powerful things you can do is just straight up ask them, what do you like about working with us? And what do you not like about working with us? And then just implement, you know, keep doing the things that they like and look to see how you can change the things that they don't. You know, and, and they're your clients. If they need you to do something differently or deliver it differently, or they need a new topic that you didn't even think, and you think, oh yeah, we can do that. That's our zone of genius too. I never thought anybody would need that. Um, one of when COVID hit, right. I had done everything live previous to COVID. And then when COVID hit, everything started to digitize and, and really Grant, I, I wasn't good with all this automation. I'm older. Right. So it's like, wow, I just, educated myself for a year. Yeah. My husband was like, you're a crazy person, 12 hour <laughs> days, seven days a week. I was taking class after class after class to educate because I had this huge blind spot. Well, long story short, I created another whole division, which is a digital library, literally of all of my 20 programs that I made over the 22 years that clients needed. Nice. I believe also you don't create content unless somebody needs it and then you create it because otherwise then you're chasing after a problem versus having a problem and coming up with the solution. So anyway, um, I started digitizing. Well, now that I'm doing these digital classes at the end of every one, you know, if there's 15, 20, 30 people, I'll ask every one of them. What is the one takeaway that you can implement Im immediately? Because I'm all about action, right? Action creates reaction. And the second question, what can I do better? Because I'm still new. I'm still learning. You teach me. And it's funny because you're doing it live, right? And, and people hesitate and I go rip off the bandaid, like lay it on me. I have, I have strong shoulders. I want to get better. And the only way I can do that is with your feedback. And everyone is kind when they give you the feedback. They're not disrespectful. And every idea I'm like, oh, that's a good one. I didn't even think I didn't even think of that because we all have blind spots. So wow. in business, you know your business, but what does a client need that we're not even anticipating that we can create or tweak what we have and make it even better for the end user in this clay, in this case, our client. So yeah. I love that. You got to ask, man, right? We got to ask. And something that I think you just said, that's so cool is like, you've been doing this, you know, for over 20 years, right? And you're still asking people, what can I do better? And you're still, you're, you're a student, you're a lifelong student, as I think all of us should be. I see way too many people like get into this mindset of like, I already know everything or like, I don't need any help. Like there's nothing more I can learn. And, and that's when you start to drown, you know? So you still even like that. I mean, people should look at that as inspiration, like always be learning, always be trying to better yourself, always be looking for that feedback. Cause that's just how you're going to continue to 
grow instead of plateau and then sink. But see what you just said? I think people who lack empathy or think business is this hardcore fill in the blank, right? With whatever your image of being a business owner is, you got to be a badass. I'm a badass, but I have a badass with a heart, right? So whatever that image is of being a business or a successful executive, they think empathy is a bad thing The and they think they know it all. And to me, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot because there's no way we can know it all. Like I'm learning things from you right now and I hope you're learning things from me through this discussion. So you have to be a lifelong learner. You know, I'm going to be 62 in November of this year. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so freaking curious. I'll just share one other funny thing. I recently had a conversation with my brother-in-law. We were giggling. And I said, man, as you're, he's a little older than me. I go, as we're getting older, I go, I feel stupid. And he laughed and I go, I don't know so many things that, you know, I thought, oh, I knew it all. Right. I go, I, I don't know so many things. It's freaking me out a little bit. How many blind spots <laughs> I have. He go, looked at me and he goes, it's called wisdom. I go, well, I have a hell of a lot of wisdom. <laughs> I feel like I don't know anything. So it's all relative, but I do like that. And we have to be lifelong learners. How do you balance, how do your brother balance that entrepreneurship? And now you, is your brother in the military also, or just you do the Just me. Yeah. How do you balance it all? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think it all comes down to like how you look to, how you really look to prioritize time. Cause the way I do it at least is like, we have, you know, so many hours in a week. Um, obviously, you know, if we're on the front end of the business, we have calls that take priority and those things need to be accounted for. So I kind of reverse plan. I look at my week ahead of time. I look at how many calls I have, what days are on where I have the free time and then look at, you know, I keep a running like to-do list and then I'll say, okay, cool. These three items here, I can easily fit into this day, this day, this day, like Perfect. I'll block that time off for it. I think kind of reverse planning for me, at least, has always been really good for actually keeping myself on track because I'm, you know, I'm mad ADD. Like I, I'm very easily distracted unless I have something that I'm like sticking to and I know the schedule of. So that, that's kind of been something that helps me like stay on track in terms of time. And yeah, I would highly recommend if you know the time you already have reverse plan based on what you need to do and then what you also have to get done and kind of work from there. But I don't know if that's the best answer you were looking for, but it's sometimes what works isn't always, you know, super sexy, but that's just what works for me. And you said something real important in there, Gren, actually the reverse engineering. I love that because I think because you reverse engineer from a prioritization, clients come first, those meetings, because that's where the production, that's where the income yeah. is going to come from. And you, you know, let's face it, it, unless you're selling something fairly easy that there's not complexity of understanding someone's like when I go into an organization, the culture, there's multi divisions, yeah. silo, like there's a lot going on. I don't meet people once and say, Oh yeah, let's do that hundred thousand dollars. It just doesn't work that way because I have to understand before I can even put a proposal together because I customize everything I do for my clients. Right. And I'm sure you do the same thing. Everybody has a little bit different need. So in order to do that, that should take priority because you need those, that funnel of action with these clients or potential clients so that as you peel back the onion, you fully understand. So you give them the best solution, uh, you know, most affordable, save time, money, all of those things. So I think that's important. What you said, the prioritization. The other thing I hear all the time is, Oh, you know, my to-do list has a thousand things on it. Well, to me, that's a stupid to-do list because 
we can, yeah, I probably have a thousand things when I think about all the things I want to accomplish, but what is the priority? You really have to stay laser focused because it's easier to do things that are comfortable, like checking my emails versus picking up the phone or sending that follow-up email. Hey, have you thought more about my proposal? The action that's going to create money is where we always has to be our priority. And I think people you know, they, they do what's comfortable instead of what yeah. needs to be done. Do you find that too? Oh, no, definitely. I mean, that that's just kind of the human condition, right? We're, we're always going to look to take that path of least resistance or that's, you know, inherently where we go. But yeah, it's often, you know, the uncomfortable that actually makes us grow and, you know, allows us to grow not just personally, but professionally as well. So really getting out of that comfort zone and doing the things you don't want to do, like, even, you know, a good example is like, I'm sure a lot of people hate cold calling and I am definitely one of those people, but like, there'll be times in the business when like, if we don't have a lot of appointments on the calendar, I hate cold calling. I don't think it's a good use of my time, but I'll do it just because I'm like, Hey, I want to get back in that mindset of like, whatever it takes, like get new people in the door to see if we can help them. And it's just kind of something where it like, it's designed suffering, right? Just to remind myself, like, this isn't comfortable, but this is a way to grow. Now, if we're looking at like nowadays with AI and automations, I think there's definitely better uses of times where you can essentially multiply yourself. But I also think it's important to like reinstill that drive and that actual hustle and not always look for that automation or that easy way out and to sometimes do it manually just to get yourself back in that mindset. Yeah. So it me, you know, again, 40 years in sales, I started with cold calling because I did, I was 20 something. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anybody. I had no network, you know, fill in the blank. So I had a cold call after five years of cold calling and I was selling insurance. So think about this oh. female and a kid, right? What did I know? Five years I was living off referrals and all the men, they were all older than me. It was all guys in me. I was the only female, 43 men in me. It was back in, in the wow. 80s, right? Well, it was in the 80s. I'm dating myself. But anyway, Grant, they were coming up to me. How do you have so many appointments? Oh, no, Grant called me. He wants me to meet with his brother and Joe called me and his sister just had a baby. And they were like, what? And I go, they're my clients. I don't know. I love them. They love me. They trust me. You know, and every time they have an event, either them or someone they know, they invite me, um, you know, oh. to meet those people. It, it So warm calls work so much better, but you have to build that network where they know you have to ask for the referrals. And and here's the other thing back in the day, and I don't know how you learned sales, but they, they would say to us in insurance, the first time you sit with Grant, ask him to pull out, because we didn't have internet back then, but pull out his address book and ask him to introduce three of his family members. I never did it. I thought, oh, that's terrible. I could never do that. That's rude. As I got to know people six months later, I didn't even have to ask. They were sending me people. Or then I would say, listen, we've really got your investments and insurance and every, everybody's protected. Oh, my gosh, we did such a great job. Do you have anybody else you know at work, home, et cetera, that I could maybe do the same thing that's kind of in your because what, who do we hang out with? People our own age or kids age or whatever. Um, and that's how I lived off referrals. So there, that's awesome. it's a system, but you have to work the system and do it correctly. But again, the empathy piece, and I don't want to lose lose sight of that, that empathy. And my mantra with sales is if you're not coming from love, care and respect, the keyword respect, stop because you're doing it wrong. But yeah, it's, I think that's an important piece of the puzzle. Uh, another question. I'm so curious because I know you do international speaking and you know, you're just a cool dude out there, but do you have a memorable experience while 
speaking or um, aha moments for people? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, <laughs> funny enough, like one one of my favorite like speaking experience was actually in um, Wisconsin, which is where I'm from, where I went to college and school and everything like that. Um, I got a text one day from one of the leaders of a club in school. It's called like the CEO club. It stands for like collegiate entrepreneur organization. And it's, you know, kids in college who like have entrepreneurial ventures or like they want to get into entrepreneurial stuff. And so it, it was just that one actually stood out to me the most because it was really cool because Whitewater, which is where that event took place was the place where I started the company with my brother. It was literally like the halls that we were in when we were, you know, sneaking into that building late at night to, you know, build our stuff and like brainstorm together. And it was just really cool because in my eyes, it was a way to kind of speak to like my college age self and, you know, give them the advice that I wish I would have known or like things that would have cut my journey of learning in half. So I think that was one of the coolest opportunities for me just because it was literally the same places. I think it might've even been like the same classroom that we were in. It was either that classroom or the one right next to it. But I just remember I was standing there and I'm like, this is so cool. Like me and my brother Gavin were in here, you know, not three years ago building this business. And now we get to kind of talk to younger versions of ourselves and make this hopefully a little bit easier of a journey for them. So that was just a really, really cool experience for me. How did the kids respond? I'm so curious. Yeah. Um, it, it was really fun actually. So I kind of laid it out, but one of the things that I, I showed them was like how in college I would, um, prospect through LinkedIn and actually reach out to people and do a lot of this stuff during class, um, to, you know, kind of start the business. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the professors love that too much, but that's, it, it is what it is. Um, so I, I showed them that, and, you know, I showed them, Hey, look, you, you don't need to have resources but you do need to be resourceful. Like, how can you do this for free, right? How can you make the best use of your time? How can you become most efficient in the beginning? And then once you start to, you know, bring that revenue and bring that profit in, how can you reinvest that into, you know, making your life easier and maybe not doing all this stuff manually? So it, it was really cool. And actually, um, they called me back, I think like last week sometime to ask me to come in again, which I'm obviously pumped about, but they even told me like, hey, your chat, you did like, I think a year ago um, with the people we're still like teaching your method of LinkedIn and how you actually like do the stuff. I'm like, that is so cool. So I'm happy to know something was retained um, and is taught there. Cause yeah, we, um, I mean, that's how we got our first clients. That's how we, you know, met our first business partners. Like that was really cool. So hopefully that's led to a lot of the same um, outcomes for people who actually went through and, and did that or adapted something like that to their own uses. And, and here's the other thing, and we're we're out of time, but I, I have one more question for you, and I know you could be brief with it, but the, the thing that just stuck out as you were saying that is you have to have a system. And then once you create the system, and I think you do this, I do this, I'm always refining that yeah. system. Because if I could get into that rinse and repeat, then I can hire someone to do the admin piece of it, right? I always want to be the face of my company. I always want to be the one that's talking to these bigger clients, right? And and showing them how we can position things, because I'm the expert with that. So if we could create these systems and then figure out who can do what, it frees up our time to be able to do what we need to do. Initially, you can't do that, right? Because you, you don't have the money coming in and whatever. But you but if you build the system, rinse, like really refine it, you, now magic starts happening. You, you were going to say something. Yeah, go ahead. 
just to piggyback on that, because I think that needs to be, you know, foot stomped on. That's very important. Like one of our mentors told us, hey, whenever you're building a system in your business, think about if you're building it for that business forever. And what he means by that is like, is this something that only you can do? Or is this going to be a standard operating procedure for anybody who can come into the company, read the documentation, watch the videos of how to set it up and then do it forever. So anytime you're stuck in like building systems, which isn't the most fun, it isn't the most sexy, it's not, you know, always exciting. Take that extra bit of time and think about how you can lay it out. So anybody can walk in, pick that up and do exactly what you do, because that's how you're actually going to build permanency in your business. And you can use that system forever. It doesn't go away with you. So when you become more removed from, you know, operations and stuff like that, you can have somebody who knows how to run that just as if you were running it. And I always like to look at it as like cloning yourself, right? How many times can you clone yourself to do all these things that you did at one point, but now, you know, you've built these standard operating procedures out where people can do them for you. And the other thing that's important, you're young, you're just starting. But at some point, like I'm at the end, right, of my game, maybe another decade or so. So what do you do with this business? Yeah. Now? You've built all this curriculum, all this content, all these videos. What do you do with it? So either you sell it, my kids take over if they want, no pressure from me for that. But what do you do with it? If you build these systems as you go along, you have something tangible then to sell, and then you can monetize your exit strategy as totally. well. So for you, that's wonderful that you're already thinking. I didn't think of that initially. So, you know, again, I had to learn that and and it's a journey. It's all a journey about learning, but that that's real important that you know that. Last question. What do you think of the future of sales, especially, you know, we're talking about empathy and AI. What do you think? What do you see happening? You're young. I'm always curious about young people's perspective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'll start by saying I think AI is really powerful and it's only going to get more powerful and more impressive with what it can do. Mm-hmm. Um, we're even playing around with some AI tools we've built that are like insane. And the responses we get from, you know, people that we prospect or like send out message to using these tools, a, a lot of them, it seems that they think like it's actually typed by a person, like it's really good AI. So I think that looking at AI, it can definitely be a force multiplier for yourself. However, I would caution using it for everything. I think Mm. that there are still a lot of things that that human touch is um, invaluable on. For example, one of the probably most important parts of sales, which is the follow-up, like that is something I highly recommend you keep um, at least have a finger or a toe in uh, for yourself because that's what's going to set you apart. There's a lot of people that are doing all these AI follow-ups and maybe even automated follow-ups. Like That stuff just kind of goes right over people's heads. Um, But I really think that the actual sales process itself should be mostly human touch. Um, I think that for prospecting, even like for some fulfillment things, like I said before, we use a lot of AI and how we actually chop up the podcast and stuff like that. But the sales process, when you're meeting with somebody for the first time, their business, their situation, their goals, their roadblocks are so intricate to try to like implement something to shortcut or like cheat code to figure it all out just isn't, well, it's not there yet. Maybe it will be, but that that's something where I highly recommend you have somebody who will listen and understand where that person's at to kind of decide, you know, where they go from here. Are we going to help them? Can we help them? So I 
think that AI is going to be a huge force multiplier in the prospecting and the fulfillment side, but right in the middle and the heart of, you know, businesses sales, I think that's something that's still very uh, human driven. It will, will be for a while. It, and it should be because business is personal. And I, you know, every time I teach, I say that somebody says no to you. That's not personal. It just wasn't a fit. They're not ready. Yeah. Whatever. Follow up with them, man. Keep them in your pipeline. But if if somebody is dealing with you, it's got to be personal because you're dealing with humans and humans. It's more than just business. We have impacts from our lives, whether it's kids, family, business issues, tech issues, whatever it is. People are dealing with stuff. And if you show up from a human with empathy, I just think that they they feel seen and heard and that you get them. They're not only going to keep partnering with you long term like my clients do, but they're going to start referring to you. So that human touch is critical. And you're right. The AI, the AI for my podcast, taking pieces out, video and what have you, different usage, not the human touch with actually building the, the connection with the, with the uh, business owner, whoever you're dealing with doesn't matter. They're human, uh, unless people are dealing with aliens that I don't know about. Right. Um, thank you so much. You're freaking amazing, my friends. And I love what you and your brother are doing. Everyone, a couple of things. So if you have questions for Grant, please reach out to him directly. It's grant at empathyfirm.com, website empathyfirm.com. And you have a free gift. If you email Grant with the subject line, changing the sales game, you are going to, what is the free offer? Yeah. So if you send me an email, which again is just grant at empathyfirm.com with that subject line, um, we're going to go ahead and get you guys published in three different online media publications, a hundred percent on us. So whether you're looking to just build more social proof, more credibility, maybe you want to put something on your website, like a badge or something like that, or you want a really creative way to follow up with somebody that doesn't feel like follow-up, you know, hey, check out this uh, article that I was just featured in or my company was just featured in. We'll take you through that um, super easy process. All you have to do is write the article yourself. We'll take care of the rest of it for you. I love it. That is so awesome. Uh, get published, guys, right? You're listening. Get published. It's a beautiful offer. Thank you so much. That is really generous. So, so appreciate that. Um, yeah. Brand. thank you. Truly a delight having you. Um, good stuff, man. Keep Keep rocking it. Listen, I'm thinking we have a second show. Again, I try not to do that during the show because I put people on the spot. (laughs) I'm I'm down. I'm yeah, 100% I, down. This was a blast. Yes, I loved having you. So we'll we'll talk and we'll we'll think of another show that we could build on to continue educating everybody that's listening because you're really and and here's what I'm loving is you're younger but you have those fresh ideas yet your mentors that you reached out to gave you some foundational grounding that you didn't just go cray cray right and and start creating stuff off the cuff that you were grounded in how you approached it. And I think you're, I I just love what you're all about. So thank you so much for sharing your zone of genius. Oh, Connie, thank you so much as well. Like one, that was super kind, but two, like this was a a great podcast. I had a blast, obviously somebody with, you know, your experience, that's awesome to kind of just sit in here and bounce ideas off each other. And yeah, no, just truly from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for having me on. That was a blast. It's, I'm laughing because when people say, oh, you're so experienced, or I get introduced when I speak, she's a seasoned professional. So first thing I say, and everybody laughs because they know I say this, I go, I am seasoned. I'm hot and spicy. <laughs> because, 
Season means old to me, right? So I'm still 20, by the way. But I love it. I love it. Thank you again, my friend. Truly an honor to have you. And I hope you will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together. No matter where you are on changing your sales game, I truly hope my guests and I help you move the needle for you to make those changes. Here's the other thing. The information Grant and I discussed, our little tips and ideas we shared. Great, great information. If you do nothing with it, simply information. Trust me, put one of those ideas, pick a mentor, um, systematize, write on a note card if you're looking to open the business. What are your core values? Whatever the tip is that we talked about, try it, implement it, execute it, and I promise you magic happens on the back end. Uh, Grant, thank you again uh, for, for joining me today. Um, you've been listening to Changing the Sales Game with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.com. I am truly honored to have you on this journey of changing your sales game with me, and I hope that I am a good mentor and deliverer or guide um, as you change your sales game. I love you all. I will see you next week. Have a great one. Be inspired, live large and do you man, because that's all you, that's all you got at this point in this lifetime. Love you. See you next time. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. And always remember, lead with heart and your sales will follow.